Hello, welcome to the Rosters and Rumblings podcast. Today is March 10th. Thanks for joining us. If you heard our first episode last week and you're returning, thanks a lot because it was it was a lot longer than we, we expected and I'm sure a lot of it was me rambling on and on, but uh, hoping to get to the point a lot quicker today and give you about one hour of good good baseball talk. My co-host is with me, John Becker. He's out in Oxford, Ohio. How's it going, John? Going great. Finally warming up a little bit. Um, still freezing cold, but uh, warming up is a sign of baseball season. Yeah, so we are I'm ready to get it going. 11 days from uh, Oakland A's and Seattle Mariners kicking off the season in, in Japan. And that's confirmed it's going to be um, – it's going to be Mike Fires on the mound for the A's against uh, Marco Gonzalez for the Mariners. So, so Kikuchi gets game two. So I thought they were going to give, give him the opener. That would have been a pretty cool thing to do. But he is going to pitch in Japan, and uh, that's all set. And then we're 18 days away from the other 28 teams opening the season. So it's, uh, it's, it's getting there. Uh, it's getting to the point. Uh, in spring training where you're looking at a lot of those rosters and, and a lot of those spots that are up for grabs uh, starting to starting to clear up a little bit. Those, those uh, the spring stats do matter for a lot of these guys. And so I, I made several changes today. I sent out that tweet um, asking for suggestions just because there's so many and there's, and there's a lot of, you know, if you follow one team closely and you're paying attention to that, to the, the live broadcast and the, the hometown broadcast and listening to the post game and all that, you're going to hear about certain guys. Are you going to hear a manager um, or the GM mention guys and you go, okay, well, I wasn't thinking about that guy, but since you mentioned him, he must be standing out to you in, in some way. Um, and at the same time, there are a lot of guys who are questionable for opening day, maybe minor injuries, but if they're not out there now playing in games and ramping it up, for the regular season, they're, they're going to be on the DL. So far, I have, if you go to my injury injury report at Roster Resource, um, I'm getting close to 100. And there's usually over 100 guys on the DL now, which is now called the, uh, the injured list, uh, formerly known as the disabled list. Usually well over 100 to start the season. And, and so still not there yet, but I have about, I think I'm up over 90 players on the uh on the injury report who were at least questionable for opening day. So we also had, uh, have a few pretty good free agents still out there and a couple of them came off the board this week. And uh, today agreeing to a one year, $3 million contract was Adam Jones. Finally, uh, he's going to, he's going to play with Arizona diamondbacks uh, 2019 over 10 years with the Orioles, really good center fielder for, for a long time. He's actually a um, San Diego guy. So, so it would have been cool if he came to, if he came here to San Diego, but obviously the it's a very crowded pitcher uh, when it comes to the outfield here. So glad he got a major league deal. Uh, not really. I'm, I, I bet it's not what he was hoping, not anywhere near what he was hoping for, especially after McCutcheon got, what did McCutcheon get? $45 million? $50. Yeah. So as far as Jones, Jones is fit in Arizona. I mean, how, how do you see that playing out? It's, it's a weird situation because they've got Cattell Marte, who hasn't really played center field since his rookie season with the Mariners. 
Um, David Peralta is a very, very good hitter. Um, he'll start in left field, presumably, and Steven Souza Jr., um, really an injury-riddled uh, first season with the Diamondbacks, um, just a pectoral injury that sidelined him in spring training and just kept popping back up. I doubt he was ever 100% healthy. Um, that That's a pretty locked-in starting outfield. Um, Peralta, however, sub-700 OPS against uh, left-handed pitching for his entire career and in 2018, so there's definitely a fit for Jones um, in one of the corner outfield spots against lefties. Um, might even see the occasional start in center field. He, he's definitely below average um, out in center now, um, but Marte might have to go back to the infield sometimes. He's, he's definitely their second best um, center field option right now with Gerard Dyson perhaps due to start on the injured list and Socrates Brito, one of those out of options on the bubble guys who might not even make the roster. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a perfect fit on paper. Of course, when you're 18 days until opening day, it doesn't really matter. For Jones, but uh, I don't know if there was a better fit for him out there. But I, as far as you know, I got him close to 500 plate appearances. My my projection, and that's with Marte getting about half his at bats at second and half in center field. Uh, Peralta, most you know, he can probably play every day. But like you said, his his OPS isn't isn't as good against lefties. It's not great. He could probably sit against lefties uh steven souza needs to get healthy but i mean that's a guy who if he's healthy he's gonna be out there every day but um can definitely get get some rest keep him off his feet uh, more often than a regular than the normal regular who's gonna get 600 650 plate appearances so um a lot depends on Marte. how is he gonna handle center, center field he, he's got the wheels he, he has some experience out there and how much has Adam Jones regressed in center field? It, you know, you hear a lot of, of talk about how he, he, the Orioles needed to move him to the, to the corner spot last year. And they moved him in, in mid-August. August 10th, he played. He, he started playing right field and never went back to center. So they were um, – they also wanted to get Cedric Mullins in there. But for the most part, you knew that that was coming. Uh, he had regressed defensively. Now he's moving to a much bigger outfield. He has to cover that big outfield in Arizona. There's a big outfield in Petco Park, Colorado. So National League West, you're asking a lot for a center fielder. So if he has regressed a lot, you, you really don't want him out there too much. But if you, if you want him to play, if you, if you want him in your lineup, he's going to have to be out there. So I, th- I think he's going to get tested. He's going to get a chance to prove that he can be out there. And, and if he's fine out there, I can I can see a situation where where Marte's probably getting seventy five percent of his plate appearances at second, and Wilmer Flores is, you know they they were adamant that Wilmer Flores was their starting second baseman when they when they signed him, um, which is why it was it was clear that that Marte was going to move to center field. So I I can see Mar- uh, Flores losing some at bats there, but like I said, a lot of it's going to depend on on Jones in center field and, and how Marte. Um, Marte is out there as well. Uh, and, of course, bouncing back and forth is, isn't that easy either. And He's a 25-year-old kid, so if he can handle that, uh, I can see Jones getting 400, 500 plate appearances easily. Yep. A few more uh, free agents are still out there. Let me, let me pull up my handy uh, free agent tracker. I know you've been tracking it this offseason. You've been following, yeah, so following closely. Probably they're only – Three guys I'd say are definitely getting a major league deal, which would be Keuchel, Kimbrel, Gio Gonzalez. So a couple of 
lefty starting pitchers, um, and then probably a top five closer in baseball, even after a bit of an off season for him um, in 2018. Then you've got a lot of depth guys that, that in a healthier market would get an MLB deal. Carlos Gonzalez, Denard Span, relievers like Tony Sipp and Ryan Madsen. So there aren't really any names that are going to blow you away beyond those top three, but there are plenty of, of very solid players that are going to have to settle for a minor league deal, even if it is a sort of handshake deal where they know they're going to have a spot on the roster, but one of a 40 man spot right away. Yeah. I'm getting the feeling that, you know, I think, I think no matter what Keiko and Kimberly get in their major league deals, maybe even that long-term deal, you know, Alex Cobb waited really long last year and, and still got his, his, his multi-year deal. Um, but obviously it's getting, it's getting close to the time where you're going to be worried about pushing these guys for opening day. These guys are used to being in there for a full spring training. So, um, those guys need to get in there quickly and, and might have to settle on a one year deal. As far as, you know, Gio Gonzalez, man, man, I, I would suck if he gets a minor league. He doesn't have a starting. I mean, it's going to be hard for him to have a starting rotation spot on on opening day because he only has he has less than three weeks to get ready. It doesn't matter how good a shape he's in. It's going to be really, really difficult for him to sign, get into camp, get a couple games in. Um, it doesn't mean he can't get a major league uh, contract. Just like a Greg Holland got the major league contract right, you know, on the day of opening, was it right on opening yeah, day? Yeah, I think or, it was. It was sometime in that yeah, first week. Yeah, and then you know, of course, the you know he has time to go to pitch and pitch an extended spring training and get some minor league games in. But of course, these guys are these guys are pros, man. They want to they want to be up on the major league roster as soon as possible. So of course, they rush Holland, and he has a disastrous disastrous season. So um, these guys need to get into camp soon. Carlos Gonzalez. I'm sure he's he's not happy that Adam Jones got one year and three million because he's probably going to get around the same deal if if he's lucky and um, yeah I'm I'm a little bit surprised that you know if you look at his numbers at Colorado yeah he his splits are are a little bit um, you know if, if you look at his his road stats they're not great of course that's most players hit better at home so. You know, he's just, but he's a big name. You put him in the middle of that lineup and, and see what he can do and see if, see, you know, I can't believe somebody like the Marlins wouldn't, wouldn't take a chance and say, look, we don't have anybody blocking, you know, we don't have any young guys that are ready to step in. I mean, they're giving, they're going to give it bats to Pete O'Brien, Garrett Cooper, um, who, you know, maybe they surprise some people, but I think there's a lot of a lot of value in, in signing a guy like Cargo, even if it was a, a one-year, ten million dollar deal, which he's not going to get now. But earlier in in in, in the offseason, if they would have said, "Let's give, <clears throat> let's sign Carlos Gonzalez. We'll give him one year, ten million. Be your number three hitter. If he has a good season, you got a good trade chip in July." Um, and so as things stand, man, I don't I don't see a fit for Carlos Gonzalez right right away. I mean, it's, you might have to even settle for a, a minor league deal. You. You see any team that that would fit with a would be a fit for Gonzalez? Yeah, not really. The only team that that really stands out as having a dearth of outfield options um, that's a contender. If you know that's what Gonzalez might be looking for, and that's also the kind of team that doesn't just want to sit on its hands and say, "I will go with what we got." Uh, that team would be the Cleveland Indians, but they've already got a ton of left-handed hitters as it is. 
um, Gonzalez being uh, a left-handed hitter, of course. Um, and I, I think if they're going to add an outfielder at this point, it's going to be um, a, a more balanced, uh, a balancing kind of player. So someone who can hit from the right side and um, be on the, the lighter side of a platoon with, with um, a guy like Matt Joyce or Bradley Zimmer when he's healthy, Greg Allen, if he comes up, um, Tyler Naquin, um, you know, so many left-handed hitters on that team. So Carlos Gonzalez is talented, but might still be redundant for them. Right. And the Giants have supposedly looking for an outfielder too, but they've said they wanted to add a right, a right-handed hitting outfielder. And have hinted that it's more, it's, it's more likely to, to come be a trade in free agency. So I've had Gerardo Parra penciled into uh, the starting right field job. I'd rather have Carlos Gonzalez than, than Gerardo Parra. But uh, you know, the Orioles have some openings there. But I think the Orioles are in a, in a situation where they probably want to leave that open for some of the younger guys. Austin Hayes is having a great spring. I have him in there at right field now. Anthony Santander is having a great spring. So they they might want to leave it leave it open for guys like that. Although, like I said, it's it wouldn't hurt to bring the guy in and let him see if he rakes for two or three months and then trade him. So you just it, it's interesting uh, that uh, Cargo's still out there. Uh, another signing this week, the uh, last catcher, last catcher standing finally finally signs, and that's Martin Maldonado, guy who can't hit but he can. Freaking throw 50% uh, caught stealing percentage last year and a uh, good fit. He had to wait for an injury, but Salvador Perez out for the season. He will be undergoing Tommy John surgery for the Royals. And, uh, and so it made sense to, to get Mar- Martin Maldonado in there. He, he signs a one year, $2.5 million deal. No more catchers left on the market unless I mean, Evan Gaddis is not a catcher anymore. Right? No, two, two, two innings as a catcher last season um, was not a good catcher before then. So um, pretty safe to say that if a team is going to be adding a catcher at this point, um, it's, it's going to be via trade or it's going to be waiting for one of those veterans out of minor league deal to opt out. Yeah, there were a few options for the Royals uh, as far as guys that you could probably trade for. Um, Blake Swihart is a guy who's not most likely not going to make the Red Sox. They've already said they're not going to carry three catchers. <clears throat> He's out of options. So at some point, they're probably going to look for a trade. But obviously, it didn't happen. It didn't happen there. The Mets have three catchers, Travis Darno and Devin Mesoraco. They might, they're saying they might carry three catchers. So um, Darno's coming back from Tommy John surgery. So they might want three catchers for, for that purpose. Uh, you got a guy like Tom Murphy who was out of options, um, unless he's unless he got a fourth option. I didn't hear about Tom Murphy's out of options for the Rockies. They got Chris Iannetta and Tony Walters there, so there's still a couple guys that that, that could have fit. Younger guys probably would have been been a good fit on that team, but uh, they're going with with the veteran Maldonado, and so um, no more catchers left. If you need a catcher, you got to trade for one. As far as injuries go, uh, it's, it's there have only been a couple injuries that I would say are very very notable as far as the, the you know the, the player and amount of time they're going to lose. But um, and that's Salvador Perez, uh, Luis Severino sounds like he's going to be out for a couple weeks. He was going to be their opening the, the Yankees' opening day starter. 
and uh, he's down with rotator cuff inflammation. Yankees are already, I want to say that, yeah, they're a little thin in the, in the starting pitching department, so that, that hurts them a bit there. And uh, Travis Jankowski out three months with a the, with the fractured wrist, I believe. Uh, so that clears up the Padres' outfield pitcher a little bit, but not too much. Still have still have too many guys there um, that belong on that major league roster. So injury report, like I said, I have about a hundred, close to a hundred players there. Um, most of them, a lot of them, are going to end up on the injured list, and maybe only I think they can retro retroactively place them on there for usually ends up being three or four yeah. days before the start of the season. So. Uh, did they, is it still a 10-day injured list, or did they change yeah, it back? Yeah, still a 10-day. Um, 10-day, so assuming, probably... Assuming it's the same as last season, it should be a three-day um, ability to retroact. So if you if you play it right, you can only miss a guy for a week, and if it's a guy like Severino, if he's responding well to anti-inflammatories, you can just make him your fifth starter. Um, they've probably got – they've definitely got the days off, actually, to, to make it work. Um, yeah, and and just kind of delay a decision on on who they actually want to option out, even though they know that that Severino is going to be in their opening rotation, just not on the opening day roster. Yeah, this is a, and this gets to be a pretty busy time over at over at Roster Resource, where we actually have to start looking at how the rotations are setting up, um, lineup trends starting to, to fall into place a little bit, but. Yeah, so some teams will go into the season with the four-man rotation just because they might have, they might not need a number five starter until the third, third round in the road, third, third try, third time through the rotation. So um, you got a lot of really good pitchers that are that are could possibly start on the injured list and miss one or two starts. Clayton Kershaw, uh, Michael Tenovich is a maybe. Um, you got. Who else? Who am I missing here? Um, oh, God. Walker oh, Bueller, not an injury, but they've been taking it really slow with him this spring. So um, I don't know if they can really put him on an injured li- the injured list for nothing, but they could slot him towards the back and just maybe have him pitch a couple innings in relief until um, he needs to start. Yeah, Alex Wood uh, was was a scratch with lower back tightness. He had he had that issue earlier in camp, so he's a, he's a maybe. Um, you got uh, Josh James for the Astros <clears throat> strain quad. He's, he's not going to be in that rotation, but he was he w- he was a he was probably the leading candidate. Uh, Danny Duffy had some shoulder tightness. Uh, just a, a bunch of relief pitchers as well. So it's getting down it's getting to the down of that time where where these guys need to get back on the mound. So um, let's get to uh, one of our uh, one of our reader questions here. This is from Max Riper from Prairie Village, Kansas, at Max Riper. He's asking a very good question here for uh, for us at Roster Resource. Who are some interesting out-of-option players that are on the roster bubble? So uh, let me uh, – I'm going to pull up my list of out-of-options guys here. You think of anybody off the top of your head, John? Um, well, you already went through some of those catchers, Swihart, um Tom Murphy, Eric Kratz, another one who it, it could be one of those awkward um, designated for assignments the day before opening day, and then teams are scrambling to claim them. 
Um, you look at teams like the Diamondbacks, I mean, their bench is just completely populated with out-of-options guys, all of whom are on the bubble. That's actually the case with a lot of teams. Um, you know, teams want to go with the best 25 guys they've got, but they also want to delay a decision as long as they can. So you're going to see a lot of out-of-options guys make opening day rosters, um, even if they had a poor spring, because teams know that, that by and large spring training stats may not matter. Um, and, and they'd rather take a guy with potential um, for a few weeks, see what he's got during the regular season, rather than risk losing him on waivers. Yeah, we got uh, – I'm looking at the list now. There's a few relievers that will probably get DFA'd and then claimed right before <clears throat> right before the start of the season. Somebody like Stephen Oker, Trevor Gott from the, that are on the Giants right now. And uh, Matt Cook with the D-backs. I don't have him on the projected roster. I don't have Alan Hansen on, a project, on the projected roster of the, uh, the Giants. Um, he's, he's one of those guys that bounces or can bounce around a lot. Um, as far as guys on the uh, that I have on a projected roster, but aren't, aren't locked in. Interesting, interesting guys. Uh, Dalton Pompey with the Blue Jays. A few years back, just kind of came out of nowhere. Started the season in like high A, and he just he just rose to the to the majors really quick. He just looked like he was going to be a really good prospect, and he's been hurt a lot. Hasn't done much in the last few years. Finally, out of options, they're letting him play a lot in spring training. So, I have him on the roster right now, uh, but. You never know. I mean, it's it's uh, he's a guy that'll draw some interest if he doesn't make that team. Let's see, we got uh, Christian Walker's another interesting one. Um, Christian Walker, pretty good shot yeah. considering Jake Lamb's really bad against lefties. Walker can be the right-handed side of a platoon. Um, Walker used to, I think, used to be a top hundred prospect. He's twenty-eight now. He's always mashed in Triple A, um, and, and he's shown that big power in the majors, but. Um, I believe came up as an outfielder. They knew the defense wasn't good. They moved him to first. He bounced all over the place um, from team to team. Um, but now I think he's got a pretty good shot of making a roster and, you know, maybe surprising with 15 plus home runs and, and 300 plate appearances or so. Yeah. I feel, I feel bad. I always feel bad for, for Walker when, when he got, when he first got let go by the Orioles, he bounced around for, he kept he kept getting DFA'd and claimed on waivers by a team that had like one of the best first basemen yeah. in the game. I know he went he went to the Reds, I think he went to the Braves, he went to the D-backs. So it was like Votto, Freeman, Goldschmidt. He, he kept getting claimed by teams that had you know that had a, a elite first baseman that that played like 161 games yeah. a year. And the guy was and he had just put up a huge season. I mean, he was about to put up a huge season in AAA. So. Uh, would be would be cool to see if he can get a little bit more of a of a shot uh, to see what he can do. Dan Vogelbach is a, another guy who's who's kind of in that boat. He's never really gotten a chance, and the Mariners seem like they are committed to giving him a look. And uh, of course, they can they can go into the <clears throat> the season the series in Japan with twenty eight players, so it'll be easy to keep him for at least at least that series. But it sounds like they want to give him a chance. A uh, guy like Brian Mitchell for for uh, from the Padres. I mean, he's probably not interesting to a lot of people, but there's a reason that AJ Preller 
um, a, you know, he he took on thirteen million dollars of Chase Headley's contract so he can acquire Brian Mitchell last year. So so he liked him for he must have liked him and, and Mitchell was awful. Uh, went on went on the disabled list, came back in September and actually showed probably showed why Preller liked him so much. He he was really good. He almost I think he was one out away from a, a shutout. Um, but the Padres got a lot of good young arms. I mean, Matt Strom and Chris Paddock are both they both look so impressive. Two of the better young pitchers this spring. So um, he's a guy who might not might not make that roster. So let's see anybody else, John? Um, let's take one more quick look. Um... Pretty interesting one, Tyler Austin, kind of in that mm-hmm. um, right. Christian Walker, Dan Vogelbach boat, bat first, first baseman, a little bit of outfield like Walker, um, but really blocked by Crone and Cruz. Um, Miguel Sano, when he comes back, will push Marlon Gonzalez back to the bench and, and muddy things a little bit further. Um, Austin would probably get claimed in a second. Um was really good down the stretch of the Twins last season, especially against left-handed pitching. And, and if, if the team has a spot for him, they definitely claim him. But at the same time, you're going to see a lot of similar type players, um, you know, bat first, um, right-handed hitters, um, or, or ones we've already named a couple of uh, relievers. Um, you know, so so a good amount of those guys are going to clear waivers. It's going to be surprising, and then we'll realize, oh wait, there's 12 other guys just like him on the waiver wire right now. So so you're going to see a lot of pretty good players get snuck through waivers and, and probably end up back in the majors pretty quickly as guys get hurt through the course of the season. So I wanted to discuss a pretty controversial topic over the last the last couple of weeks, the last couple of years. It, it does come up, and that's service time manipulation. I uh, wear um, a couple of big, <clears throat> of big z- examples were uh, Chris Bryant with the Cubs a few years back. The guy was clearly ready for for the majors, and instead of having a ha- having him break camp with the team, he had a huge spring, put up huge numbers. It was clear he was going to be their third baseman. You know, even if not on if not on opening day, it was going to be as soon as as soon as possible. Um, and the, the only reason they were going to hold him back is because they could they could have Chris Bryant under under team control for seven years instead of six years, which is if you're if you're a Cubs fan, um, if you if you're their general manager and you expect to be their general manager in seven years, that that's that's a pretty smart thing to do. If you're the owner, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hold this guy back two weeks. Um and in that case, he can't become a free agent in six years. He can become a free agent in seven years. And so I don't remember it being super controversial back then. It was definitely a discussion. And just every year since then, there have been a couple guys. And it's, it, it kind of gets more ridiculous as far as, as, far as the, the fans' perspective, where it's like it's obvious you're going to hold this guy back, you know, for, for – two weeks he needs you know there's something he needs to work on and of course he's ready to go in you know two or three weeks and um guy like ronald acuna was 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 the guy last year everybody was talking about he's good enough to break camp with the team 
Uh, I think he did. He get injured in spring training. He well, he wasn't. He he didn't hit particularly well in spring training, if I recall. So so that was a pretty good excuse. But then he hit even worse in AAA for those three weeks or so, and they called him up anyway. So um, right, it, it's hard to kind of use that as an excuse when when he gets into the real games and he's hitting worse, and yet you still know he's ready. Um, so yeah, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is definitely the guy this year. Of course, um, strained his oblique, I believe, and he'll be out three weeks, which um, it's a very unfortunate convenience for the Blue Jays is how I'd like to word it. They don't yeah. have to make excuses anymore. Um, you know, by the time, so he's, that's a, by that's the time he's, he's gotten back up to speed, they can they can call him up to the majors. Yeah, that that's a moot point now, but there are a few others. And uh, Pete Alonzo is, is another guy who's crushing it in, in spring training. The guy who probably probably deserved a promotion last year. The Mets didn't really have any reason to bring him up. Same with the Blue Jays. No reason to start the guy's service service clock and take up a forty man roster spot in a season where you're just to- you're completely out of it. Um, the rules are the rules. I I you know I don't have ne- I don't have a big problem with with how they manipulate the service time just because I think of it as. Yeah, that's that's what the rule is. So they're going to take advantage of it. So you got a guy like Pete Alonso, and let's let's discuss that that situation really quick. And it's kind of similar to where Bryant was. And so my my argument to why the Cubs should just leave Bryant in AAA for a couple of weeks was that they had a guy there. Well, first of all, it's a long season. You got. 25 man roster you're going to you're going to use 35 to 40 guys to get you through the 162 games. So obviously a guy like Bryant could easily make up the difference of one or two games in, in a couple of weeks. But you got a situation where you got a guy Michael Alt um of course Michael was hasn't done anything and he he wasn't good then and he was pretty much done after that, but he was a really good prospect. The range uh Cubs had acquired him from the Rangers in a, in a in a big trade. And he had pretty much run out of chances. So at that point, you knew Bryant was going to be the third baseman. But, you know, you're just going to let go of Bolt for nothing? Or, you know, why don't you, why don't you let him play for two weeks and see what he does? Maybe he can, he, he can, uh, he can, he, he can show something, get some, some teams interested in trading for him. Uh, and that's not, that, that can't hurt you that much, right? If, 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 you, if you need to do that. And so with the Mets, they have a lot of options there, and it's clearing up a little bit just because Jed Lowry and Todd Frazier are probably going to start the season on the IL. But you got Dominic Smith there, who's having a good spring. And so, once you once you give that first base job to Pete Alonso, you know, with those top prospects, once you give them the job, it's pretty much theirs. They're going to have they're going to have a, a lot of room for you're going, to, you're going to give them a lot of rope so they can you know they can struggle a bit and they can work their way out of it. But that's what happens with 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 top prospects. You want to bring them up when you know you don't have to send them back. And so once that happens, Dominic Smith is not in the picture, you know, to be to be their first baseman. Um, and at this point, his value is really low because he, he didn't have a good year in, in, in 2018, which is why Alonzo was able to pass him. So now he's having a really good spring, and a lot of people are going, "Oh, whoa, this guy, this guy was one of the best prospects in the game two years ago when he was like." 21 years old he was killing it in triple a so it, it makes sense to me to see what dominic smith can do he's not going to get a lot of chances on the mets this is 
a two-week window, three-week window where you say, let's see what Smith can do. Maybe he, you know, best case scenario, he has a really good three weeks. Alonzo is, yeah, he's still crushing the ball in AAA. And then you got a, you got a decision to make, but you, you probably can generate some interest in, in, in Dominic Smith. So even if you do send the AAA, you know, you could probably, you could probably trade him for a lot more than you, than you would have um, before. So anyways, there's, you know, that's, that's my, my perspective. However, it is a situation where it's, 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 like I said, it's controversial and a lot of people are, are talking negatively about it and major league baseball knows they have to fix it. So they know the fans are on to it. Yeah, this is BS. Why do we have to wait? To, why, why does Vladimir Guerrero Jr. have to wait two weeks to, to, to make his major league debut? Why can't he just, just be on this, on the freaking opening day roster? So I don't, I don't know how they're going to fix that, but I know they're going to try to fix it. I, I, don't, I haven't seen too many articles. I know you sent me a, a link, John. Yeah. Um, uh, about some proposals. I know, so I know some really smart people have been writing, writing about this and probably have some ideas. I mean, what have you seen out there? Yeah, it, it gets some of these ideas, I think, are even more complicated than, than it is right now. Um, and, and a lot of the ideas I've read um, basically amount to reducing the number of days that, that counts as a service time year. So right now it's 172 days counts as a full year. So teams go for that 171 and they get that extra year. Um, I've seen suggestions to reduce it to 120 or a hundred. Um, but those suggestions acknowledge that then you might just keep that guy down for longer because instead of shooting for 171, you're shooting for 119 or 109 or 99 or whatever. Um, and, and if you're a team going nowhere at the moment, then you've got no point at it. Um, the one idea I do really like, I think is the most simple one of them all, which is from Russell Carlson at, at baseball prospectus, who's ironically enough now with the Mets, um, this was in September. So nothing's really changed since then. Um, he was just suggesting a flat, um, free agency, uh, at 28 years old. So, um, at your, if you're uh, 28 or older, the following April 1st, so basically opening day of the following season, you get to become a free agent. Um, you know, he acknowledged that, yeah, it, it would mean that, that Ronald Acuna Jr. and Juan Soto have to wait a little bit longer. But the way I see it is that for every, every Acuna, every Soto, who, who, by the way, are going to get paid anyway if they continue on this path, there's, you've got two dozen Tommy Fams or Whit Merrifields who um, came out of college and, and were – weren't signed until they were 21 or 22 or whatever. And then we're a late bloomer. Um, and, and then they're kind of screwed into never getting a big contract or Merrifield's case, having to sign a very team friendly extension just to lock in some, some guaranteed money. Um, so, so I think I'm in favor of a flat free agent age. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. Um, but, but I think it would definitely benefit more players than it would hurt. Yeah. I think maybe some combination of both of those, I think, like you said, it's not, it's not going to, the first idea, it's, it's not going to work for teams that are just, they're not going to compete. Um, and I, and I think, you know, maybe with the whole batch of changes coming, make, maybe they can fix that a little bit where you have, you don't have 10 teams that just know they're not going to compete. And so they don't have any reason to bring up these guys. Um, but it makes it difficult. If you, if you're the, if, if you're the Mets, the Mets want to compete this year. It, are they going to hold back Pete Alonso for three months? 
you know, that's, that's, that's difficult to do. If you think that guy's going to be going to make a difference, that's, you know, two weeks versus two months or three months, I think would make a big difference with a lot of teams. Um, and, you know, same with the, uh, the age 28 uh, free agency. Yeah. I, I think that would be, that would be fun, man. I think, I think because you're going to, you're going to call up these guys maybe, maybe sooner than they're ready, but you're going to have, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Once he's crushing the ball, you know, like he was last year, you're just going to, you're going to call him up. You don't have, you know, you're going to say, well, we got, we want eight years of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So we're going to call him up now, as opposed to we, we want to keep him for seven years. So we're not going to call him up yet. I think, I think some combination of both of those things would be beneficial. And, and um, I, I really want to see the universal DH. I want to see roster expansion, which is going to, there's going to be more roster spots available. So there are more, there's going to be more opportunity, more spots for, for younger guys um, or, you know, some of these older guys that aren't getting a chance right now, but you're going to have, you know, if you, if you add two new teams and expand to 26, 27 roster spots, that is, I don't know, over a hundred roster spots. So I don't, you know, there's probably a hundred, a hundred players in the minors right now that, that would end up in the majors. Uh, maybe, maybe pitching would get watered down a, a little bit more. And, you know, maybe there, there's going to be more guys who can't hit, but can play really good defense or, you know, cannot play defense, but you, you got this one guy who could, who's your, just your pinch hitter, your rusty stop. You know, who rusty stop is right yeah. Yeah, of course you do, even though you're a kid, but one of the greatest pinch hitters of all, of all time. But um, I think you can have those old guys like that who you bring in just to pinch hit. Um, anyways, that's, that's a bigger, it's a bigger uh, problem down the road, but I think um, I'm excited to see what they come up with as far as, because they know this is a problem. They know this is one of their main issues right now is, is uh, service time manipulation. They have so many young, talented players, and and um, there's always it seems like every year there's three or four guys, and you're just waiting for them. You can't wait to see these guys. And we got Fernando Tatis Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you got Pete Alonso, you got a bunch of young pitchers that are that are close as well. So it it, it would be fun to see these guys a little bit sooner, and uh, and it would be good for these guys to become free agents while they're still right in the middle of their prime as opposed to at the end of their prime or just past it. Cause look, these guys are, the owners are, they are, <clears throat> they are, you know, most of them are billionaires and they don't like to just give their, give their money away. No, no matter how much money they have, they're businessmen. They're like, you know, they, I'm sure they count every dollar and they're always looking for values and, Yes, it just happened. To, you know, the product just happens to be an actual, actual human being. So it just seems worse. But this is how these guys do business. That they they know what the product is. They 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 are always looking for value. So um, it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Like I said, there's there's a lot of probably a lot of smart people that are that are going to hopefully they're that are going to negotiate and hopefully they'll come up with, with something good here. So let's. Uh, Let's go back to the reader questions. Thanks to those of you who have sent in uh, questions. We'll try to get to all of them. And this is from Nate Walter, at Mr. Nate Walter from Melcher, Iowa. The Giants have a lot of decisions to make before opening day. 
which guys make the cut. So uh, pretty quiet offseason for the Giants. So Farhan Zaidi, new GM. There, there was an opportunity. You know, he, he could have came in and just made the splash by, by trading Baumgartner and trading some of their relievers. But he's pretty much he, – I think it sounds like he's just going to go into it with let's see what let's see what I got here. Maybe they're better than expected. And if they're as bad as everybody thinks, then maybe 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 ownership's not letting them go with the full rebuild. Yeah. My my take is that a guy like like these guys are smart and they know they might only get one chance to build to build a team. And they want to go in and they want to strip it down and build up you know, they want to bring in their, their guys and, and not have, not be judged on, you know, have their, their performance, you know, be, we have a lot of guys, a lot of guys that are already there that they didn't bring in that if they're bad, it's going to reflect on the GM. So um, I think, I think a guy like Zaidi would love to just tear it down and start over. I think, Giants ownership is not really going to go in that direction, which is why they ran on Bryce Harper. And so now that they didn't get Harper, I think they're just going to let it play out. And if things go horribly, well, then Farhan will be able to say, hey, let's let me tear it down, please. Yeah. And, uh, and I think yeah. they're very close to a point where they might have to do just that. They still have a bottom 10 farm system. Um, the Giants are always going to have really good attendance and thus really high revenues. So they're always at a point where they can have a pretty high payroll. Um, but at a certain point, if so much of that payroll is getting taken up by Longoria and Belt and Posey and, and Samarja um, and, and Melanson and so on, for better or for worse, um, you know, regardless of how good they are, it's really tough to add no matter what revenues the team brings in. There's, there's going to be a certain level of reluctance to go over a certain point, whether it's the lowest luxury tax bar or the highest luxury tax bar. Um, and, and I think Zaidi knows that, and he, he would probably just love to do a full rebuild, but he, he might get that opportunity to do at least at least a half rebuild midseason. Bumgarner's going to be a free agent. Will Smith's going to be a free agent. Tony Watson is going to be a free agent. So there will be some interesting opportunities for him um, midseason. Um, as for the roster it- right now, it, it's a really weird situation. I've never seen this many – non-roster guys projected on a roster. I think they and the Mets both have four actually right now. Um, but yeah, it's weird. Um, you know, you would, you would know better your own thought process for, for putting the roster together, but, but their infield seems so set and their outfield seems so fluid right now. Yeah. It's a veteran team. So, you know, I, I think if you, if you think about it, there's only, shoot. I mean, if, if, if they said, well, if Zaidi came in and they said, go ahead and trade all the veterans, there's only like one or two guys who he'd be selling at maybe peak value. Like Will Smith probably did enough to to get his value way back up, or the team would be wanting that left-handed reliever, late-inning reliever. Uh, Tony Watson had a good year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's – everybody else either had a bad year or was injured – there isn't really anybody on this team where I mean, and, you know, Bumgarner is the big name, but I don't think, you know, his value is not what it's going to be if he has three good months here to start the season. Yeah, um, and the same with Longoria, same with with, uh, you know, even a Brandon Belt. 
Brandon Crawford. I don't know if they would trade him, but there's a lot of guys here. Samarja doesn't have any trade value right now, but if he has three good months, then you got guys asking about him in, in July. So Mark Melanson, same thing. So he, I, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a, let's, let's wait and see. Maybe, maybe they'll be better than, than everybody thinks and good. Okay. We got it. We got a competitor. Maybe he'll look to add some pieces in July. Most likely they're going to be, you know, not very good, but if a couple of these guys are, you know, bounce back, if Longoria bounces back, if, if Bumgarner's pitching well, Samarja, he's going to be able to, to trade these guys in, in July and start building up his farm system. There, there aren't a lot of young guys who you just, you just have to put in that lineup right now. They got Chris Shaw, power hitting lefty, uh, wasn't good in the majors last season. So not necessarily, they don't necessarily need to, to bring him up yet. Um, their big prospect is Joey Bart who is going to be the successor to, to Buster Posey. And, and Buster Posey is probably going to ease off of catcher and into the first base probably next year. So maybe Joey Bart mid-2020, but most likely he'll be their, their starting catcher in 2021. There just aren't a lot of position players. There are a couple young pitchers with good arms that could probably get a look, but not necessarily early in the season. So, I think uh, I think that roster is is pretty much set. There's not really shouldn't be a lot of surprises as far as starting starting outfielders, starting corner outfielders. If if they don't make any additions, I have Mac, Mac Williamson and Gerardo Parra there right now with Cameron Maven getting some at bats. Drew Ferguson, their their rule five pick, getting some at bats. I think they'll try to get young young Harvey Solarte going again. Uh, he had a bad season in 2000, uh, 2018, but he was he was good with Padres a few years back. So I don't know, John. What what do you what do you see there with the? With yeah, I mean, season? the only guy I would lock in is Steven Duggar, really good fielder, um, runs well, pretty good hitter. You know, no no one that's going to blow you away, but he's a really solid every everyday quality outfielder. Um, coming off a major shoulder surgery that ended his season about a month early. Um, He's been progressing pretty well. He's gotten into some games. The one thing he's just waiting on is an opportunity to do a head-first slide in the outfield, he said. He said once he's able to do that comfortably, um, he knows he'll be all the way back. Um, you know, he's, he's 25. I don't think there's, there's anyone pushing him for that starting spot. But um, I know that they basically promised Gerardo Parra a roster spot um, when they gave him a minor league deal, just, just kind of a 40-man log jam situation. Um Williamson, he's tw- he's almost twenty nine, so you know he's not a prospect, but but really revamped his swing about a year or so ago. He got his twenty eighteen derailed by by a concussion, but um, having another really solid spring. It's just it's just still a mess. Despite that, though, there's going to be a lot of different guys getting at bats out there. Duggar can't play every day anyway, and probably won't play against at least the tough lefties in the division, like Joey Lucchese or Kyle Freeland or Robbie Ray. Um, so, so Zaidi, you know, like he's been kind of churning out those last churning through the, the, the 39th and 40th guys on, on his 40 man all season might be churning through, um, the 25th, 24th and 25th guys on, on the 25 man all season. Um, and it's probably going to be in, in the form of a lot of different, a lot of different looks in the corner outfield. Yeah. Their, their, their starting rotation is interesting in that they have, they, they brought back Derek Holland, they brought in Drew Pomeranz. 
and they had a couple of young guys who were really good last year, and that's Andrew Suarez and, and Derek Rodriguez. And so one of those guys is probably going to start in AAA now, <clears throat> which is not really fair to those guys after the year they had. But like I said, the plan is to try to get some value out of these veteran guys, trade them, and then let these guys step in. And, and you know, you got a couple of young pitchers going into 2020 and Suarez and Derek Rodriguez. Tyler Beatty's is, is been very impressive this spring. A lot of people talking about him, throwing in the high 90s. He was there. He was the 14th pick in the uh, 2014 draft. If you look at his numbers from last year, they were awful. He was getting closer to the majors. Not overly impressive stats, but just being a top draft pick, he, he was he was on the rise, and you figured he was going to get a shot. But was not uh, it was not good in AAA last year, and I think he, he I think he pitched in the majors a bit as well. But he's been very good. So uh, you got some good arms. Uh, Sean Anderson's another one of their top prospects who's should be in triple a so they got some guys that will be interesting um especially if if they can get some if they can get the other their veteran guys uh to build some trade value yeah you know i don't think there's anyone that there's they're just dying to see in the majors right now i think anderson's probably that one guy um logan webb is probably still a little bit of a ways away um hasn't pitched in triple a yet um melvin ate out another really good arm can throw close to 102 um but you know more more raw talent type guys than really polished prospects but nevertheless there's definitely um incentive to to trade Bumgarner, samarja holland pomeranz you know if, if they find suitable enough offer midway through the season and just give these guys a shot i think zadie really wants to to see what he's got and if he's not really liking what he sees then then he might be able to get the green light from ownership to just tear it down as much as he can. So this question comes from Neil Hirschfeld at Neil Hirsch from Scottsdale, Arizona. When do you anticipate we will know if Dakota Hudson earns a place in the St. Louis Cardinals rotation? So this is, and, and after last year, he was, he was really good out of their bullpen. They was just one of their, one of their top prospects starting pitcher that they just said, let's just throw him in our bullpen and see how he does. And, course he's throwing in the high 90s not big strikeout numbers for a guy who throws hard but he was very effective so I had him plugged into the as a setup man right away and as uh as things progressed in the offseason it to me it looked like okay this they still want this guy to be a starting pitcher they have a lot of options it's a crowded bullpen I'm just going to put him back in triple a and I figure they're going to let him start and he's there if they, if they need somebody in the in that bullpen he's he's there um, however that uh, that Cardinals rotation is is a bit in flux now with with Carlos Martinez likely to start the season on the DL um, on the IL. Uh, once he comes back, he he might be going to the bullpen, and so you, all of a sudden you have some question marks there after Miles Miles Mikolas, Jack Flaherty is is going to be there. Adam Wainwright's going to get a chance to bounce back. Michael Waka, if he stays healthy, but. Um, so at least one spot, and you got Austin Gomber, you got Daniel Ponce de Leon. You can just go with John Gann. He's like the, the the not very exciting option, but you know he he can do the job as your number five starter. I have him penciled in as a long reliever for now. And uh, of course, you got Alex Reyes, who's their top prospect, frontline potential, but they're taking it slow with him. So not really uh, in the mix for a, for a rotation spot right now. So you're looking at 
probably uh, one spot that's up for grabs between four guys. And so Austin Gomber hasn't pitched too much. Uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon, it looks like he's gotten uh, – he's, he's given up six or seven runs in seven innings. Although both of those guys are really good last year. So um, so they'll, they'll get a little bit of a break with, with spring performance. But uh, if you look at what um, – with Dakota Hudson's doing, uh, seven and two thirds. He's only given up two runs, six hits. He hasn't walked a batter, and he has six strikeouts. So the, sink, the sinker's working good. He's throwing strikes, and if he does that, he, he might be their best option now. The only question is whether they want to just have him continue to develop in, in AAA and and be ready to, to jump in their bullpen if necessary. That's that might be the only question. But he's he's a guy who. I didn't have on my radar for that rotation because I figured there were eight deep without him. Um, and now he might be their number five starter. I mean, chances are, are decent. So they're all get, they'll all get a few more starts. And, uh, you know, depending on Carlos Martinez and how he's progressing, if it looks like he's going to be out an extended period of time, could open the door for somebody, one of the younger guys. If not, if it's only like one start, they might just go with John Gant for a start. Uh, or go with the bullpen game or something. But, yeah, Hudson's definitely in the pitcher now. Yeah, it, it's tough because in, in a just a super cutthroat division, the Reds are trying to contend. The Cubs and Brewers, of course, are still around. The Pirates are, are going to be pretty good um, around 500 probably. They really want to put their best foot forward, go with their best five right away. And and by spring performance right now, it's looking like it's it's Hudson. But, you know, he's not a guy that they want to jerk around between the rotation and the bullpen. So, you know, I wonder if they'd rather, like you said, have him in AAA, more controlled environment, maybe limit his innings a little bit. So um, if he has to join the, the major league bullpen, he, he feels like he's been in short enough outings to work as a reliever. Um, but, you know, at the same time, if he's their best option, I feel like that's that's what they've got to go with. It's going to be a really rough division. Yes, sir. So thanks for all the questions, everybody. And uh, we're not going to get to any more questions today, but I, I, I want to close it with uh, – so, some thoughts I had on, on a lot of the changes that are going on with the game. And uh, I told John, I said, I'm, I'm going to, I have this theory and I'm just going to throw all these, these, I'm going to throw this theory at you point by point And you tell me if, if it makes sense, because every time something comes up as far as something that's different in the game these days, uh, what I always try to do is I try to go back to, to what the root is as, as far back to the, to the root as, as possible. What is the root of this issue here? So, you got you got really good players who are just sitting out there in free agency and, and not getting signed. You have a lot of pitchers getting injured these days. You have uh, more strikeouts, more home runs. The game games are game time is extending. So <clears throat> you got all these issues that are coming up, and I always think about okay, well, why is this happening? And, and it, for me, it always seems to go back to this to the same thing. So. I kind of trace it back a, a few years where you had that surge in home runs and strikeouts. And I think that was, that was back, what it was it like three or four years ago? Yeah, it was probably was started around 2015 um, where, where it kind of reached the national stage. It was in the 2017 World Series, especially the games in Houston where just a ridiculous amount of offense um, was being generated and that kind of elevated into a, a national conversation of something, something's weird here. There's, there's, 
way more home runs than there should be in, in a World Series game. Yeah, and, and Major League Baseball won't acknowledge it. I don't think it, I don't think it was done on purpose, but there have been some studies done that show the, the baseballs are, are a little bit different, right? I mean, there's, you sent me one link uh, that was done. Uh, this was a study by Dr. Meredith Wells. Uh, it was written on The Athletic, and she did some, some research on, <clears throat> on the baseballs and, and determined that, yeah, they're, they're a little bit different, which is the reason why there's a home run surge and a rise in pitcher blisters. So here's what I've been thinking about. And, and you know, it really doesn't matter why, why the, well, there's a home run surge, but I think it's caused, you know, it's, it's, it's even if it's a little minor change to a baseball, it's caused a huge amount of change to the game. So, John, you, I don't hear this term very often anymore, but, you know, you know what, you know, you've heard of warning track power. Right? Yep. Did you play Little League? Yeah. There, anybody ever say you got warning track power? Uh, I barely had hit it to the outfield power, but. Um... I think I, I had warning track power. I, I hit, I hit like three homers in little league and I hit, I hit a grand slam in high school, but that was my only only home run, but I definitely had warning track power. So anyways, if you know, and you know, for a, for a professional baseball player, if you're a guy who, you know, didn't matter if you swung your hardest, if you were swinging an uppercut and just selling out, you don't care how many times you strike out. If, if you did that and you only can hit, 15 home runs, but you struck out a ton, you didn't hit for a high average, um, that's not, that's not going to get you to the majors, right? So you change your game and you go, okay, well, my game is going to be, I'm going I'm to hit, I'm going to make contact. I'm going to put the ball in play. If I want, if I want to be valuable to a major league team, I need to be a versatile defender. I need to be able to run a little bit, I need to, you know, so you need to be more of a well, well-balanced player but you're never going to be that guy who's like a 20 to 25 homer guy. So you're kind of limited as far as, <clears throat> as far as how much money you're going to make, as far as your impact on the team, you're always just, you, you know, this was just four or five years ago, right? And you're seen as that guy who, you know, maybe you help us on the bench. Uh, so now all of a sudden guys like this and not everybody, but let's, you know, and I, and I'm thinking of, I always think of a guy like Chris Taylor. I don't know if this is what happened with Chris Taylor, but if you look at his numbers and how he was viewed in the game at that time, it was like that guy. He, he didn't hit a lot of he didn't hit a lot of homers. wasn't didn't, wasn't really viewed as a future major league starter. You know, a guy seven or eight homers. He can hit some triples. He's gonna you know they were they were having him play multiple positions, and then all of a sudden he, he's a guy who can hit twenty home runs. And so I think if you think of a guy like that who says, well. If I try, if I if I change my swing, if I try a little bit harder, I'm a 20 home run guy now, which that changes you know that changes the perception of me from a a bench player or an up and down player to a really good, really good uh, major league regular who can play multiple positions and I have in speed and all that stuff. So that I I think that adds value to those those kind of guys and if you were already a 25 to 30 homer guy eh, how much does that help you i mean it, it might help a little bit if the ball's flying a little bit more but you were already that guy yeah if anything it diminishes the value because now you got a bunch of guys who are close to your level and they might be able to do more things um instead of just hitting home runs right so 
that's so that's my first point. Now, if we go to the pitcher side, you got, you know, back back in the day, and I'm not saying back in the day like 20 years. I mean, five, 10, 20 years ago, when you talked about a, a starting pitcher, you would say if you're talking about his velocity, you usually say, well. This guy sits 90 to 93. He can touch 95, 96. But for the most part, these starting pitchers were trying to get through six, seven innings, and they weren't going max velocity. I mean, they can throw if they if they could throw nine if they can hit 95, 96, they're going to be sitting in the low 90s. <clears throat> and if they needed to, they can they can reach back for a little bit more. And I think it was more possible back then because your room you had a little bit more room for error. So if you made a mistake, you know, if you made a mistake with, with, with a big power guy, he's going to hit it out. But some of these guys might just hit it to the warning track. And with these guys, you don't have a lot of power at all. It doesn't matter. You just, just throw it down the middle and let, let them hit it. And you're not trying to strike everybody out because <clears throat> for the most part, you can get away with, with a little bit. Okay. And so all of a sudden you have these guys, more guys who can hit it over the wall. And if you make a mistake, more of those are going out of the ballpark. So, so how do you make up for that as a starting pitcher? You throw it, you try to throw it harder more often, right? And so, I, I wish that the statistic was more more readily available. I've seen it. I've seen uh, Eno Saris tweeted out a couple of years ago, and it was interesting to me. I don't even know where he, it might be available somewhere, but it was max velocity. And so he had a list of. 10 guys with the highest max velocity and then 10 guys with the lowest max velocity. And it stood out to me because the 10 guys that he listed for lowest max velocity, none of them really had injury issues. I think the one guy who was, I think it was Carlos Rodon, who was having some shoulder issues at the time and missed a lot of the season last year. But for the most part, there are guys who really never get hurt. And so that's, that stood out to me and it hasn't really been, been talked about a lot, but, if you think about it, um, and this kind of ties into that 20-second pitch clock that they want to go to and the reason that some pitchers don't want to go to it. So if you think about it, you go, you go to the gym, you, you get on that bench press, and you're like, you know, let's say you, you do a set, and, okay, you, you stop, and then you get right back on and do the same amount again? No, if you, the longer you rest, the more, the more reps you can do, yeah. right? So if you think about it, if you're a major league pitcher and you throw 95 miles per hour, and that's pretty much as hard as you can throw, if you want to throw the next pitch at 95 miles per hour, you, you don't want to throw it 10 seconds later or 15 seconds. You want to throw it 30 seconds later. So, so you, got, you got these guys who want to throw max velocity because they don't, want the, they don't want to make a mistake and have it go out of the ballpark. So they're taking a little bit longer to throw the ball throwing a little bit harder so so huge changes to the game right you got pitchers that are more prone to injury you got starting pitchers who can't get into the sixth and seventh inning anymore because they're just getting they're 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 going all out because they have to and so now all of a sudden you need 13 man pitching staffs you got eight and nine men in your bullpen and so you got the triple a shuttle moving moving guys in and out because you got guys that are throwing as hard as possible because 
the balls are flying a little bit more and they don't want, they don't want the balls going out. And so now, you, you know, 2018, you got the, the, uh, the opener, which is, which is directly because it directly happened because they know that these starting pitchers can't get through a lineup three times anymore. And so if you're only going to get through a lineup two times, let's start on the fourth or fifth hitter instead of the one, two, three hitter. And so you got a lot of big changes, big changes to the game that happened because of, because of the ball, because of the ball flying a little bit more. And, and uh, so you got a guy like, if you see the guys that are going off, off, off the board early in, in, uh, in free agency, it was a lot of setup, a lot of seventh and eighth inning guys. And, there was no, no, there was no problem with how much they were getting, you know, two years, 20 million, two years, 18 million, three years, 21 million, seventh inning, eighth inning guys. And not necessarily the closer because you have so many of these guys that throw hard and that pitch so often. So they're more valuable and you don't necessarily have to pay the one guy who pitches in the ninth inning, just cause I mean, he's, you know, you pit, you're going to pay the best guy more, but, is not necessarily, you know, the, the the value of a closer hasn't necessarily gone up like, like a setup man, like other relief pitchers. Right. And, and at the same time, you have the power, the, the the power only hitter, his value has gone down because a lot of guys hit, hit for power. And, and so what I'm thinking of is what kind of changes are going to, what kind of changes are they going to make that, that could possibly reverse this a little bit? And like I mentioned, the 20, 20 second pitch clock. And it's, it's not so much about speeding up the game for the diehard baseball. The diehard baseball fan doesn't care too much. It's that um, it's that you, you got a huge mainstream audience of people that they're trying to, to they want this huge mainstream audience to be the diehard baseball fans. So they don't want you know three hour and 20 minute game with not as much action in between that's that's not good for business so but at the same time that 20 second pitch clock um, is going to force these starting pitchers to throw with less max velocity because they don't want to blow their arm out they want to they they just can't throw hard every 20 seconds so i think that's why i'm looking forward to that being implemented at some point the universe of dh because with these these power only hitters, they're not getting they're not getting roster spots anymore. If you go to twenty six man, uh, if you if you go to a twenty six man roster, if you add the universal DH, you got a, a bunch of these these guys who are going to have. And we talked about this on last week's podcast. We went down every na- national league team and said, you know, who would be their DH this year? If you add the DH, if you add another roster spot, that can help as well. Expanded rosters, you go to thirty two teams. Like I said, that's like over a hundred extra spot, extra roster spots. So, um, I just solved all of baseball's <laughs> problems right now. I figured it all out. What do you? What yeah, do you think? I think it's you know, th- there's a lot of concern with how much these changes would water things down, or how much these changes would um, close the gap too much between the elite players and the non-elite players. But you know, to me, it's 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 not artificially leveling the playing field so much as it is making sure that there's opportunities for guys like Evan Gaddis and Carlos Gonzalez who are still out there. And, and, you know, you're still going to have 
awesome relievers like Jordan Hicks, who throws 105, or Adam Adovino, who throws a wiffle ball slider. Um, and, and I don't think those guys, you know, their stats will change really, or they'll be at any more risk for injury. I just think that it's it's important that major league quality players get to play major league baseball. Um, and I think that while expanding rosters might uh, create a little bit of risk with, with watering down the talent level across the league, I mean, you can just look at how many free agents are out there and how many major league quality players are, are in AAA or projected to be in AAA at this point. And, and you know, 32 teams and, and 26 roster spots, I think would be really good for the game of baseball add a lot more strategy you'd have a lot more specialty players and I, I think most importantly you'd have just a lot of a lot fewer guys sitting out there on the sidelines whether it's, it's literally as a free agent or, or figuratively in AAA when they're just waiting for their shot that, that isn't there yet well thanks thanks for listening to my rant <laughs> uh, I've been thinking about this my kids didn't care I was I was trying to explain it to them and they were like yeah we don't we don't care dad we really don't care about this so, but it's really important, and I'm making a lot of sense. Right? Yeah. They, they didn't care. Yeah. Uh, so let's wrap this up. Uh, so the show is going to be available on iTunes. It took, it took at least four or five days uh, before it was available on iTunes last, last week. So hoping that was just because it was the first episode. And now that it's in the system, uh, it will, be, will hopefully be available a lot quicker. I'll tweet out the link, the links as they're available. And I think it's going to be available on a couple different um, on a, on Spotify and a couple different uh, platforms. So I will be tweeting all that out. And uh, eleven days until opening day. Yes. All right, John. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>